welcome to the Book of Mormon Evidence Podcast with host Rod Meldrum. This week's Come Follow Me supplemental study is Lesson 47, Moroni 1-6, through To Keep Them in the Right Way. Today we welcome a special friend who is a dentist, historian, and author, Eldon Barrows. Eldon gives a presentation in the Book of Mormon Evidence streaming site called Zelf Mound. Did Zelf live in the time of the Nephites? He says in his own word, I grew up in South Salt Lake City, Utah, and went on a mission to the Philippines and next graduated from the University of Utah with a bachelor's degree in medical biology. Next, it was dental school in Seattle, Washington. Shortly afterwards, I moved to Nauvoo, Illinois to be the town dentist. I moved to Quincy, Illinois, and thanks to my bishop, Clark Bolton, I learned about the Zions Camp route through Illinois. Illinois. Bishop Bolton took us on a father and son's outing and we tried in vain to find the location of Zelf Mound. I met up a few years later with some good member friends. Melvin Martin showed us the location of the Zelf Mound and we formed a Zion Camp Trail Committee of Illinois. Knowing that Zelf Mound was sacred ground and preferring cornfields to urban sprawl, I moved my family from the Chicago suburbs to Jacksonville, Illinois on the Zion Camp route. Our committee started giving youth activities and tours at historic sites along the Zion Camp Trail. Then we met James Bradley, Wayne May, and Rod Meldrum. We enjoyed sharing common interests with these men. For 10 years, members of our committee and I enjoyed meeting with Rod Meldrum and many guests he brought us on bus tours to Zelf Mound each year. We discovered that artifacts were excavated from Zelf Mound by the University of Illinois archaeologists in 1990 and we photographed them. To correct some misinformation about the mound, I finished writing a book, Joseph Smith's Revelation about Zelf Mound, in 2017. The book is available on Rod Meldrum's website, bookofmormonevidence.org. After 38 years in Illinois, to be closer to my children, my wife, Teresa, and I moved back to Utah in 2019. I regretted leaving Zion, Zion's Camp Historical Sites in Zelf Mound, but I brought my Zelf Mound art exhibit pieces with me and set them up in American Fork. Besides church history, I enjoy my children, grandchildren, camping, hiking, and photography. Welcome, Eldon Barrows. Welcome, everyone, back to our podcast, uh, the Come Follow Me program here that we're doing with a supplemental podcast. And uh, we are excited. We, we uh, have, I have with me today, we have uh, Eldon Barrows. And uh, he's, he's uh, been in, uh, he's originally from here, but uh, in Utah, but, but then he lived for many years out in Jacksonville, um, Illinois. Illinois. And uh, we're going to have some awesome discussion here. But let me just start start off. Uh, basically, this is we're talking about. Uh, this is lesson forty seven, uh, Moroni one through six, and uh, this is actually um, several things that we wanted to uh, start off here. And then we're going to talk a little bit about an, a, an amazing experience that happened uh, to Joseph Smith that is not recorded in the Book of Mormon, but has some really big implications for that. So uh, we start off, if you have your Annotated Book of Mormon handy here, uh, we're going to start off here with uh, on page 496 uh, in the Book of Moroni, in the Book of Mormon. So there we go. So in chapter 1, it starts off here in verse 1, it says, Now I, Moroni, after having made an end of abridging the account of the people of Jared, so we just got through with the record of Ether, basically, which is the, uh, the account of the people of Jared, I had supposed not to have written more. But as I have not yet perished, I'm not dead yet, he says, and I, and I make uh, not myself known to the Lamanites, lest they should destroy me. For behold, their wars are exceedingly fierce among themselves. So he's actually seen this apparently from, uh, from his perspective as he is literally in hiding from the, the Lamanites. And because of their hatred, they put to death every Nephite. 
that will not deny the Christ. And I, Moroni, will not deny the Christ. Therefore, I wander whithersoever I can for the safety of my own life. Um, that, that, that really tells a pretty amazing story about how faithful this, this, uh, this, this guy was, this Moroni was. Do you want to go ahead and say something? A true saint. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so um, I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have Eldon introduce himself a little bit more. There's just a couple other things I wanted to do in, in chapter two. Basically, um, of, of Moroni it talks about the gift of the Holy Ghost. In chapter three, he's talking about the ordination of the priesthood. Again, our understanding is is that uh, that you've already gone through the lesson material here in the Come Follow Me program. This is supplemental material to give you additional understanding and insights beyond what is in the, the standard um, lesson uh, plan. And then you have uh, Moroni chapter 4 is the blessing on the sacramental bread, and then the, and, and chapter 5 is the, is the blessing on the wine or the water. And I wanted to, to uh, bring up just one little thing here as we do this. Um, many people, um, that there's just so much symbolism when it comes down to the sacrament. And a lot of people don't realize um, that... How many of you realize that we actually have altars in our chapels? That there's an altar in there. <laughs> I never thought of it. <laughs> yeah, well, basically, that's what the sacramental table is. It's, a, it's an altar. And basically, so when, when we do the sacrament and we have it all, you know, we, we all know how that's actually kind of a setup. It has a white sheet, basically a white cloth over the, mm-hmm. over the, over the top of the table. And then the, 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 uh, the bread and the water is put up there. And then that's covered up again. And uh, so, what are these? What, what's some of the symbolism here? We don't want to spend too much time on this. When Christ was uh, was first born, um, his his mother wrapped him in swaddling clothes, basically, the, you know, a, a, essentially a clean, uh, would typically be white wrap, and so forth. Would would prepare his his the the, the child's uh, skin with different oils and things that, that that they would rub on the skin to try to help. Uh, with with uh, issues that might happen with skin problems, um, so, and to prepare his body basically to be able to uh, to grow and develop and so forth as as he gets older. Um, in, in the case of Christ, um, at the end of his life, after his crucifixion, his uh, his mother was also involved with then taking that same that same person that she had wrapped carefully as a, as a, as a babe as a child. And uh, she was given the, re- the responsibility, at least a portion, a portion of that, to actually to prepare his body for the, the, the for the for the um, the tomb. Um, so that also involved um, wrap, you know, putting specific oils and so forth on their on, on the skin and and uh, kind of not not really embalming, but basically it's a uh, it's a process to uh, to uh, that they go through a kind of a ritual, and then she would wrap his body also in the shroud. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then he would be prepared for his for his burial, basically. Kind of like the sacrament wrapped in exactly, cloth. exactly. So when we when we have the sacrament, essentially we put the white cloth down first, and we have the sacrament, which is representation of of Christ, his mm-hmm. his body and his blood. That's covered up, mm-hmm. but it doesn't stay covered up mm-hmm. because he resurrected. Mm-hmm. And so we pull. The, the the white sheet back uncovering mm. the bread first his body first and then we partake of of the sacrament basically we're taking that into ourselves so we're literally or not literally but we are figuratively taking his body and then we are we are basically ingesting it which so we're trying to become mm-hmm. we're 
he's becoming part of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with the water. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, then it's, it's covered back up um, and so forth. But that's and also the the uh, they 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 kneel at the altar. Mm-hmm. So the priest that is doing the, the sacrament uh, actually will kneel, and then they say the, the prayer, which we all know the prayer, um, which is such a beautiful um, prayer. Both of these prayers mm-hmm. uh, to remind us of the of the covenant, that we, the covenants that we've made at baptism. So um, I just wanted to throw out that little bit of uh, information about the the the, uh, the the altar that is in all of the chapels, which is part of what makes it so holy. Mm-hmm. And why we treat the chapels differently than we treat the other rooms inside of our church buildings. Mm. All right. And in chapter six, um, I want to touch on, on uh, chapter six, verse three. It says, And none will receive unto baptism, save they take upon them the name of Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end. And that's what I, I really wanted to focus on here in, in this particular uh, podcast is uh, serving him to the end. And uh, there's there's a couple of examples, and uh, I mean there's many examples throughout the Book of Mormon, but there's one particular one that you have some special um, knowledge about. But before we do that, would you just kind of introduce yourself? So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, <laughs> you were born at a very young age. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, uh, ended up moving to Nauvoo um, and being uh, the dentist in town in Nauvoo. We, we had a lot of interesting visitors. Um, some some people who wrote the manual for the Sunday school lesson so they could tell you uh, it, it's supposed to mean this and that. Uh-huh. Uh, we had some, a lot of interesting visitors. Um, you bet. And, and uh, then we I later ended up moving to um, Jacksonville, which uh, is right on the Zions Camp Trail. Uh, Zions Camp goes from... Yeah, there we go. Uh, Zion's camp goes from Ohio to uh, to Missouri. Um, it's a rescue mission. Uh, the saints had been um, driven out of um, out of Jackson County, uh, Missouri, by uh, mobs, and Zion's camp was a rescue mission to bring them some clothing supplies. Um, also, they were trying to get these people back on their properties. Yeah. The governor Duncan said, kind of like a militia. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. all armed, yeah. and uh, they were supposed to help the governor get them back on their property, kind of be a little security. It was a dangerous mission, uh, and uh, jo- but Joseph Smith promised them that uh, they would, uh, if they were obedient to the Lord, did not complain, you know, um, that they would uh, all be safe and protected, yeah. uh, and all return in safety. So during this march. Which, they, by, which, by the way, they started off up in uh, up in Ohio, and then they marched all the way across. And some of them, there were there were some horses and so forth. But were they mostly walking, or were they on wagons or horses or tw- what? Twenty five, twenty five wagons full of supplies, clothes, and everything, and um, most of them carried their rifles um, and walked. And walked. <laughs> yeah, tw- they walk about thirty five miles a day. They have to get up early in the morning, like. Uh, Four or five in the morning, when the bugle blows, they would have prayers, um, and then they would be yeah, off on that. their march. Um, so they they ended up they, they started basically from the historical accounts. They started about May the sixth. Um, they ended on July the 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 uh, the third, uh, basically in eighteen thirty four. So it's about two months, mm-hmm. about sixty days, and they walked nine hundred miles. 
Yep. Yeah. Between 900 and around 1,000 miles, right right around in that general vicinity. It's pretty close to those mm-hmm. numbers there. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 900 to 1,000 miles. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was. Um, it was a blistered foot type experience, <laughs> and and, uh, and the guys that went on Zion's camp, the men that went on Zion's camp, uh, well, Wilfred Woodruff said uh, his neighbors said, "Don't go. You're going to die. Uh, you might lose your life on this mission." And he and he uh, he went anyway. Um, mm-hmm. He he was he was willing to sacrifice whatever it would be for the gospel. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So. These were good men, and so when they um, when they went through Ohio, Joseph Smith pointed out a burial mound to them, which happened to be a, a, a Dina mound, which is the same time period as the Jaredites. Mm-hmm. So we call it a Jaredite mound. And then later on— and That was the Enon mound. Enon mound, yeah. Yeah, in, yeah, in, in, in Ohio. Enon, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. It's still there. It's still there. You can go and visit it. It's a great mound. It's a— yep. Nice and high, covers about four acres. Now, do you remember what Joseph Smith had the experience that he had there? Yes, uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> kind of an interesting experience yeah. they said there. Yeah, just before before they got to the mound, they hadn't even seen the mound yet, and Joseph Smith got the men together and said, "When when a prophet is in a place where a lot of people are killed, his spirits sink, and it says there's a lot of people being killed here, and then they want five or six rods further, mm-hmm. <laughs> a rod being sixteen and a half feet." Just a little further, in, uh, and then they saw this Enon Mount. It's a pretty high mound, pretty tall mound. Yeah, yep. And uh, Jaredite burials, you know. And he's, Joseph Smith said that, you know, some wicked people are buried there. And uh, if they could get advantage of us, they, they would. They would, yeah. Um, anyway, um, but when they got to to uh, Illinois, across the Illinois River, they got to a, a different kind of a mound where some good guys were buried. Mm-hmm. And um, they were crossing the river uh, on this ferry, you know, one one uh, ferry boat at a time. Um, it took all day to get 150 men across the river. Um, and then um, the men had time on their hands, and they saw this burial mound uh, up on the ridge, and they went to visit it. And the next day, they, um, they, they dug up a, a skeleton about a foot below the ground. And the next day, they, um, they asked Joseph Smith to come and see it. The thigh bone of this guy was two inches longer than Joseph Smith, so he was six foot eight, six foot ten, pretty good sized fella. And Joseph was about six foot three, somewhere mm-hmm. around in yeah. there, they say. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if it's two, if two inches longer than his thigh bone, and you, you add that up, I mean, it's, he's going. This is a tall guy. Yeah, a little bigger than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm about. I'm six four, so I'm similar in height to Joseph Smith. There yeah. was, yeah. yeah. So even taller than Rod. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, Zelfa. They uncovered this, these bones, and there was an arrow in the ribs of this, um, the remains of this person, and his bones were preserved pretty well. Um, anyhow, they they um, they asked Joseph Smith what happened here and what was who was this person, um, and then he prayed and had a revelation, and he said that um, he was a white Lamanite, in other words, a converted Lamanite. And one of the things that we, before we jump into that, that yeah, though, okay. I just want to emphasize to people that this is this is this is really special because according to this is from the history of the church volume two. This is from June third, eighteen thirty four, the nineteen forty eight edition. He said it was the visions of the past were open to him, mm-hmm. and then he so so this was and, and he said by and he says open to my understanding by the spirit of the Almighty. So what's he having here? He's having a vision, yeah. And he says, and then he says, I discovered 
that this person, because he, he asked for a shovel and, a, and and so forth, and he dug down about a foot, like you were saying, mm-hmm. and, they, and they found these bones. Mm-hmm. And then they said that the, the person whose skeleton was before us was a white Lamanite. He was a large, thick-set man, and he was a man of God. And then his, his anyway, so I'll, I'll go ahead and just finish this uh, historical part. He says, his name was Zelf. He was a warrior and a chieftain under the great prophet Onondagas, mm-hmm. who was known from the Hilkamore or Eastern Sea. Apparently, he related those two together. To the Rocky Mountains. Now, wait a minute. That, that, these, are, these are geographical features here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And that he has been killed in battle by the arrow found among his ribs during the last great struggle between the Lamanites and the Nephites. Right. Yeah, and there's a good picture of uh, about where Zelf would be located. Um, and and Onondagas ruled over uh, eastern two-thirds of the continent there. Mm-hmm. So somewhere between there was one one of the final battles happened between the Lamanites and the Nephites, according to uh, this this uh, vision by Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a, a, a picture during during the summer. This thing is is kind of almost hard to see because there's just so much foliage everywhere. That's a it's actually a good one. Uh, I I can't. It's hard <laughs> to even see the mound. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can see it a little bit better in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. In fact, so uh, now, now just information, we're going to get into some more details on this, but just for if you want to get uh, some more basic information, if you have a copy of Exploring the Book of Mormon in America's Heartland, and you can go ahead and open this up to the portion here about Joseph Smith and what he knew. It has the Wentworth letter, the Lucy Mac Smith account, and then it goes into Zion's Camp March. So this is the Zion Camp March right here. So you can read this part right here with the big thistle on it. And uh, and, and so let me just read this little portion of it here. Uh, it says, February 24th, 1834, the Lord commanded the prophet Joseph Smith to organize a group of men to aid the brethren. We've already talked about that. Uh, so Zion's Camp was officially organized on May the 6th, and then they, they crossed Ohio and so forth. Members of Zion's Camp traveled nearly 1,000 miles on foot between Kirtland, Ohio, and western Missouri. Zion's Camp was officially disbanded on July 3, 1834. The instruction and experience of, the many early, uh, of many of the early leaders of the church received during Zion's Camp became invaluable to, their later church, to the later church. All save three members of the original Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and the original First Quorum of the Seventy participated in Zion's Camp. It's a big deal. Yes, uh, it's like a... It's like a Scouting, um, it's like a scoutmaster taking his boys on a six week hike <laughs> and then teaching them the gospel on the along way, the way on the, <laughs> along the camps. And can imagine the, uh, the, the firesides they had mm-hmm. with Joseph Smith being there. And he would teach them, as a, <laughs> you know, he taught them how to, how to behave towards animals, you know, uh, they yeah, the rattlesnake kill, deal, they and, didn't kill the rattlesnake, yeah, uh, you know, uh, he he uh, he taught them a lot of things, uh, and and especially how to. Uh, to have a good attitude, uh, even if you have sore feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, doubt. The Lord. no doubt, no doubt. So now uh, this next this next picture basically is on page twenty nine in the in the um, exploring the Book of Mormon America's Heartland, which is a picture basically of Zell's Mound. Uh, these couple of pictures here. Um, that Zeldin actually was able to to get a, an original picture from the eighteen eighties. Photograph from the Department of Anthropology and the Museum of Natural History, the Smithsonian Institution, of the mound before it really got covered with trees. With trees. Yeah. And this is kind of what it looks like today. This is from uh, Dr. Burroughs here. And uh, and so 
that's then then you see the, there's a picture along the trail as you go up and you can see the Illinois River as you go up the trail. So tell us a little bit now you've been involved with the Zions Camp Trail Committee. Mm-hmm. You were the president uh, <laughs> uh, for a while. For a while, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, until we elected Richard Mudd. Yeah, we formed a Zions Camp Trail Committee. Even though we knew where uh, there were some people who knew where Zelf Mound was, nobody. A lot of people didn't know how to get there, and I tried to find it myself when I was living in in Quincy, Illinois, uh, and uh, we had a father and son's outing. We tried to find it, we couldn't find it. But uh, Melvin Martin, <laughs> uh, a dentist in in Pittsfield, Illinois, Melvin Martin, um, took us up to the mound, and then Richard Mudd was also an enthusiast about Zion's Camp, and so we formed a uh, the Zion's Camp Trail Committee, and then later on, Mark Green. Um, uh, a hand surgeon joined us. Um, we had a lot of good times with our with our uh, committee, and we would uh, bring groups up, youth conferences, and things up to see the mound. Um, uh, and then we met Rod Meldrum. <laughs> but but before we met him, um, now, who, who do you think was some of the first people to have actually identified this? I mean, obviously Joseph Smith and the brethren were there. There was I think twelve brethren with him when they went up on the mound, mm-hmm. and eight of them wrote about it in their journals and so forth. But then it kind of became obscured from history. And so um, there was a couple of people who really took the initiative to try to find this place. Yeah, like uh, like Rod said, uh, six people wrote it in their journals, and plus Joseph Smith wrote a letter to his wife the next day. Which we're going to show you that in just a minute. We'll show you that. Yep. So James Bradley, yeah. he's the one who wrote this book. Yeah. Yep. Book on... Um, on um, Zion's Camp. It's kind of the definitive book on Zion's Camp. The the best book you can get on Zion's Camp. He looked for the Zelf Mound for 25 years. He was an institute instructor for Utah State University. University, And in 1974, he went to the courthouse in Pittsfield and and he said, is there any local historians in this area? Oh yeah, go see uh, Warren Winston at the far- he's the pharmacist. So he went over to Warren Winston's uh, pharmacy and he said, Is it, "Do you know anything about this Zelf burial mound? And do you know where they crossed the river, the Zanscamp tra- crossed the river, the Phillips Ferry? Where's the Phillips Ferry at?" Yeah. And Warren Winston said, "Well, it's funny you asked me today because yesterday." An archaeologist came by my office with a map of all these burial mounds, and there was one of them that was extraordinarily large, and she was excited about it. She wanted me to know all about it, and that happened to be Zelf Mound. Um, With the help of Warren Winston and Jane Baxter, the archaeologists, uh, they identified the mound. Yeah, and and actually, they don't call it Zelf Mound, obviously. They they call it uh, Naples Russell Mound Number 8. Right. Or Russell Naples Mound, which are the two. Naples Russell Mound. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Naples. um, Because there's eight mounds there on that hillside. Yeah. Now, again, I just want to bring this out. It's, the, it's called The Eternal Perspective of Zion's Camp by James L. Bradley. Um, we've, we've been carrying this book for a number of years now. Um, but because he passed away, we can't get any more of these. So we have about probably about 20 or 30 of these books left. When they're done, we can't get any more of them. But I wanted to point out in here, I, I marked this really quickly here. But on the inside of the book here, he was given an opportunity Go ahead. Do you want to tell about that? Yeah, yeah. James Bradley went <laughs> to the church archives. Um, he knew uh-huh. that the arrowhead that killed Zelf was in the uh, Joseph F. Smith collection. It was handed from Brigham Young to to uh, Wilfred Woodruff to Burr Riggs and then or somewhere. Burr, there. Yeah, Burr Riggs, yeah. Brigham, Brigham Young, uh, Wilfred Woodruff, and then to the Joseph F. Smith collection. Yeah. He went in there and took a picture. 
He was, they let him see the archive thing, uh, church, uh, yeah. first presidency archives, and he took a picture of the, of the arrowhead that killed uh, on, on a ruler. You can see the ruler right there, so you can see about how big it is according to the to that. So it's about uh, three and a half inches, almost four inches long, made out of black Yellowstone obsidian, obsidian. which comes from Yellowstone. Yellowstone. But this is in Illinois. No, it's not from Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but it was found in Illinois. Right, that's where Zelf is buried. So, they, so somebody had carried that that Yellowstone obsidian all the way out from from out here in the west out to Illinois. Right, and that and yeah. that, and that's a trade network. Um, it's called the um, Hopewell Interaction Sphere, and it's um, a trade network. Well, we said that Onondagas ruled over the eastern two thirds of the continent from the Rocky Mountains. Rocky Mountains to the is where the Yellowstone's at. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so all the stuff they found at Zelf Mound, which we'll, we'll show you in a minute, came from this wild, wide area, yes. uh, showing that there was an organized government in place, just like Joseph Smith said. Yeah. And, and this was all, these were all hopeful artifacts, um, which date to the time that Joseph Smith said that Zelf exactly. was killed. Exactly. Uh, he was killed during the Hopewell time. In fact, the Hopewell culture were, were Nephites. Yeah. Hopewell's the same as Nephites. So the Hopewell's uh, built this mound and everything. We'll so so James Bradley basically went out there and he identified this. And then I had another friend of mine, it's Charles Allen. Mm-hmm. And he, he's known as the window maker. He was the guy that did all the windows and doors for the, for the um, Nauvoo Temple mm-hmm. Restoration Project. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he also, now he was asked by... Um, Lamar, Barrett. Lamar Barrett at BYU mm-hmm. to uh, if he could go out and identify this mountain and, and make sure that we know where this actual place is because this is an important place. This is this is one of the few places in in the in the world where church history and Book of Mormon history actually intersect each other because mm-hmm. we know that there was actually if, if if Joseph Smith's revelation is correct then we have this white Lamanite guy and he's buried there and then Joseph Smith is physically there. Mm-hmm. Um, as they as they as they dig up the bones and so forth, so this is kind of a special place. So so basically, Charles Allen went out there, um, and he got a hold of some of the old plat maps apparently, mm-hmm. and he found out where this Phillips Ferry was. Mm-hmm. And according to the accounts uh, that you'll read here in, in the Eternal Perspective of Zion's Camp, they said that they they crossed the river and about what about a mile or so away, a mile above uh, a mile um, above below the yeah, yeah the uh, the well, uh, north of, a mile north of the mountain yeah um, was where they crossed mm-hmm. in the ferry mm-hmm. and so they camped for the night and the next morning they got up and that's when they basically like you're talking about they you know they ended up making the trip up there with these brethren and, and they dug up these things um, anyway so while he was doing this information this research um, he was also given the opportunity to take, to take a look at apparently the uh, the Zelf arrowhead and so forth. And uh, so he also, uh, using the pictures and so forth, I'm not sure if he used the pictures from James Bradley or if he had his own pictures, but he got a professional flint napper and he had two replica arrowheads made. So that's what this is right here. So this is my replica that he he gave me. before he passed away, actually, he gave me this 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 uh, this arrowhead. But it's, it's actually within within a sixteenth of an inch of any direction of the actual arrowhead that that killed Zelf. Killed Zelf. So it's it's uh, it's a quite a, a, a uh, something I I'm a surprised uh, thing that I have that that this because number one it's because it's from Charles Allen, who's a dear friend, but also because it's a it's a replica of a very uh, interesting time where this this guy. They found it in his in, in his among his ribs, <laughs> you know. So this is what killed him apparently, and uh, 
And so, yeah, so, anyway, so go ahead. Okay, so, so um, Zelf was a, a white Lamanite, a converted Lamanite. He was a, a chieftain, a warrior, and a man of God. So this was, and then um, the, uh, the artifacts in this mound uh, tell you a little bit about it. You can see a, a bowl. Uh, with a bird design, a bird, uh, kind of an abstract design. Mm-hmm. Then you see three copper axe heads. Um, now, this, uh, the American Indians did not have copper axe heads. When the uh, Europeans came over, they, they only had um, you stone. Know, stone implements. Um, they didn't have copper. Um, this was a more advanced race. It was a Nephite race. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that, uh, these artifacts are Nephite artifacts. They, uh, archaeologists will call them Hopewell. Yeah, I, I want to point out something about those particular things. And if you take a look at that, uh, the, the designs here, these designs are quite kind of soft and flowing. You know, they're, they're, they're very rounded and so forth. Um, later on, um, after the Nephites were wiped out and uh, and and the and the Mayan civilization came up from the south and and, and basically overran the Lamanites. And you have what they what they later they called the Mississippian culture. Mm-hmm. Their art looks very different from the artwork that was being done at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this is the Nephite artwork here. Um, the artwork that came in later was basically the as not the Aztec but the Mayan type of artwork, and it's mm-hmm. very angular and jagged and has yeah. lots of sharp angles and so forth. Mm-hmm. This is very soft, flowing kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you can actually tell it's two different cultures, two different people mm-hmm. uh, by the art of the art of the artifacts that they make. Yeah, the the top thing is a bear tooth. It's it's a, they would wear a bear um, teeth around their necklace if they're important people, bear canines. Um, I guess this is probably a way of showing that you're a you are a you are a warrior. The, you, you killed a bear. <laughs> yeah, you can't come by bears very easily. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or kill them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't have any high-powered rifles. Give them whack them with a rock. <laughs> that's or probably terrorists. a bow and arrow or, or, or an, an atlatl. Which, yeah. by the way, is actually what this is. Uh-huh. This is an atlatl tip. So um, it's too heavy to be on an arrow. It's actually an atlatl, which is a small spear. Yep. About that long. Yep. Yep. And they would throw it with another stick to 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this uh, bear tooth, and the next one is a smoking pipe uh, they would wear around their uh, uh, string, around their neck. It's a gorget pipe, they call it. Um, and there, it, it shows you'd have to machine that thing in order to get air, uh, the hole through the one direction to meet the hole in the other direction. Uh, it would take machinery. Now, this bottom one is a two-headed duck, and it's kind of hard to see it. It's a two-headed duck. But if you, <laughs> <laughs> the, the heads go to opposite direction, okay? Yeah. The two heads. comes up on one neck, and the, and the two yeah. heads pop out. But there the funny go. thing is, and I wish I had my another picture of this, but if you tr- well, you can see it from here. If you turn that sideways, I don't know if we can turn that sideways. Uh, keep going. Turn it one more time. Try to see if you can rotate it a little bit. There we go. Okay, now that's a two-headed duck. Okay, you see a a, a head of what of the duck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring that one up. Enlarge that up. You see a, a there. You go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I one, can see it. A duck, a two-headed duck. One goes one way, one goes the other way. Now, can you turn that 180 degrees? There you go. Okay, now bring it and enlarge it up again. Okay. Perfect. Okay, yeah. Bring that even bigger if you can. There we go. Now, I was showing a friend this, and I said, you know, that's upside down. It really goes the other way. But then my friend said, well, that looks like a person with a halo around their head. 
And I said, and it looks like someone kneeling to him. And I said, you know, I never did see that because uh, I was always looking at it the way the archaeologists were looking at it, as a two-headed duck. And the archaeologist wouldn't know what to do with this picture. Uh, And uh, my my non-Mormon friend is the one who pointed this out to me. And I said, okay, third Nephi. (laughs) That's uh, Jesus Christ with a halo on his head and, and the people kneeling to him. So... So this was uh, now. Also, there's a little hole drilled in the top of that. They would wear it in a necklace. So the the uh, the Nephites would wear it as mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, uh, with people kneeling to him, not as a two-headed duck. So wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So this. Yeah, no doubt. So Zelf Mound, out of the earth, uh, we have a witness of Jesus Christ, and, <laughs> and this is uh, it's an abstract art. It's really. I had that. Uh, I looked at those artifacts for years before my friend pointed that out to me. <laughs> Amazing! Just people, different people can see things in different ways, isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you so, bet. Anyway, so uh, this was a more advanced race, and it's a Nephite. Uh, these were Nephites that built this man. Uh, let's see where were we? <laughs> okay, so let, let's see if we can go to uh, page thirty-two in the uh, the. Um, in the book the, here. Exploring the Book of Mormon America's Heartland. Um, there is a, a beautiful bronze that was done uh, by my friend Jason Millward. He's a, a, an artist out here. He did this uh, in bronze there. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bas-relief thing, but basically it shows. You can see the kind of the bones sticking out there. You have some of the brethren coming around. You can see you know uh, John Taylor and Wilfred Woodruff that were there. And then Joseph Smith, um, as he looks up and he's holding the arrowhead in his hand and you can mm-hmm. see the, 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 the vision, mm-hmm. the, 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 the rays coming down from Revelation and so forth going on. Also, you can see a close-up of this particular uh, arrowhead that is, that is the replica. Let's go over here to, uh, this is page 32 in the uh, Exploring the Book of Mormon as America's Heartland. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has this beautiful bronze here. Um, with a depiction of the of this vision that Joseph Smith had, so you have uh, you can see the kind of the bones there um, on the ground of, of Zelf. There you have uh, you know, Brigham Young and, and John Taylor and Wilfred Woodruff and some others standing around there as Joseph Smith picks up the arrowhead and he's looking up because this is depiction of the the vision coming down. Mm-hmm. And this is a bronze that was done by my friend Jason Millward. Wonderful artist here in uh, Utah, and then just below that, you can see this is a replica of the this. This is a, a close-up picture of the replica that we just showed you there, um, of the uh, the the obsidian spearhead or atlatl blade that that basically killed Zelf. Now, you you want to tell them about the toad? Yeah, the toad down in the lower right corner. It's a toad effigy pipe. They they put the tobacco in the top. There's a little hole in the top. It's a, it's made out of solid limestone, and they drilled a hole. From in front of his nose, there's a hole that goes through the base of that all the way to meet the other hole, which would take machinery. You'd, you'd have to have a pretty good machine shop to make those two match up. Um, which is also interesting because some of these, actually, the hole going through that is arched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how do you drill an arched hole? I, I don't even know how you can do that today. <laughs> that is a very good question. That is a really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of those actually, because it's the, the, the effigy pipe has a base that's kind of bent like this, mm-hmm. they actually had to drill a hole, and then it actually comes up, and it arches up to where the pole is. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, How they were doing that, who knows? Anyhow, this, this toad effigy pipe is a more advanced smoking pipe than the American Indians had. American Indians had, Indians had uh, platform pipes, which is just a little round thing and a platform nothing uh, nothing fancy like this this is uh nephite artwork not not um 
not uh, later Lamanite artwork. Yeah. And in fact, these pipes are basically indicative of the Hopewell. The mm -hmm. people before them, the, the, the Dinas, they really didn't do this. Dinas and didn't. the people after them didn't do this either. So this is, this is if you find one of these effigy pipes, it's pretty much, it's a guaranteed, it's a Hopewell mound builder, which is mm -hmm. Nephites. Yeah, true. Um, so I, uh, I, I asked the, uh, I took a picture, that, that picture was taken uh, uh, of the toad effigy pipe and the other artifacts at the Illinois State Museum. And uh, they're not on display, but the uh, Zelfman artifacts are in a warehouse and they brought them out and showed them to us and we took pictures, they let us take pictures. But you, you had to go through a lot of effort to do that. I mean, didn't it take some months before they would finally do it or whatever? Um, yeah, we had to get special <laughs> reference. I mean, they didn't want to show them just to anybody, yeah. pull, uh, you know, to, to find these things in the warehouse. Yeah. Um, but um, the person that showed them to us was a zoo archaeologist. I wonder if if you have that picture. <laughs> uh, there are three of us, a picture of three of us. Anyway, the person that, that showed them to us was a zoo archaeologist. He specialized in animals, um, animal remains you find in, in burials. Um, and that, that little mussel shell we looked at with the um, two-headed bird design, yeah. that species only grows in South Georgia. It grows on a river oh, wow. in Georgia, that species only. And so it shows that that was shipped across the country. They, they had a big network of trade, these Nephites did. Mm -hmm. And and they call them the the Hopewell interaction sphere, but it's a Nephite trade Nephite trade network until uh, the Nephites were destroyed. Yeah, and, and just just for information, just to, as a reminder, so there was copper mm -hmm. that they think came from Michigan. Mm -hmm. There was the shell which came from Georgia. There was the the, the obsidian arrowhead which came from the yellow from Yellowstone. So that kind of gives you kind of a, a rough idea of the of the outer perimeter, basically, of this Hopewell culture. Um, you know, but they call it the interaction sphere. And, and sh yeah, that's right. Seashells from the Gulf of Mexico, and some of these burial mounds had um, uh, what they call um, a clear material the mica. Yeah, mica. That is kind of clear, almost like glass. And that's from the Appalachian Mountains. But all this stuff was... All <laughs> These this people stuff, got around. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. And after the uh, Nephites were destroyed, um, the uh, Lamanites were all against each other, tribe against tribe, and the, the trade network went way down. Not much was traded after that. Yeah. And, and the oh, here it is. There Here's we go. The picture. Okay, so the guy in the middle uh, is um, uh, Martin, Terry Martin. He's a zooarchaeologist. Uh, the guy on the left is myself, and then Richard Mudd is on the right. Uh, Richard Mudd uh, uh, is um, the head of our Zions Camp Committee at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, we they, they were pretty nice to explain all these artifacts to us and let us take uh, photographs of them. Well, I got, and i got to say about, be, about being pretty nice, you are one of the nicest people <laughs> uh, for, for a number of years. You've come out and met with our tour groups, and, and, and as we've gone up on... Zelf's Mound to come up and share some of your knowledge and expertise and, and uh, your experiences that you've had at this uh, this this pretty amazing place. And uh, so this is this is kind of some of the uh, um, one of our groups there that we that we were at um, when we were when we were there. Let's yeah let's talk about that group. Um, so Rod Meldrum, after we found these artifacts and took pictures of them, uh, then I met Rod and. Um, 
and uh, called you to find out if I could get permission to use these yeah, in the book because yeah, we were well, working on this book right about that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I said, well, yeah, let's get these pictures in a book um, so mm-hmm. people can see them. And so, anyhow, Rod uh, produced the book. He also br- brings bus bus tours. He organizes these bus tours, mm-hmm. uh, three or four bus tours a year uh, until this COVID nineteen year, <laughs> which. Uh, it's been hard on tours. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, nothing, there's nothing open. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's closed. <laughs> uh, so Rod has been bringing all these busloads of all these enthusiasts, people who want know about the Book of Mormon archaeology. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, uh, I've enjoyed working with Rod. We've had we've had a, a, such a good time. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you a couple of quick questions here because this is a pretty profound thing. Um, how did this affect the Prophet Joseph Smith? I mean, obviously, you're having a vision. He's having. He's, he's seeing this as a guy. He's, he's seeing this is where some of the final battles between the Lamanites and the, and the Nephites happen. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any evidence to suggest that this actually was um, had a profound effect on on the prophet? And I, yeah, he, yes, he did. He wrote the letter. The next, um, he had a vision, of course, and then he. He told uh, he told a lot of things about this mound that we mm-hmm. haven't some things we haven't uncovered yet. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, of, just just a couple of days later. Speaking of that, let me just throw this in here. Um, this is uh, a book because there was some misinformation on the mound. Um, some people who were into Mesoamerica theories tried to discredit the mound and say that Zelf. Did well, the not, whole experience. Yeah. Joseph <laughs> uh, Smith didn't really. Uh, wasn't really clear. <laughs> <laughs> a little phasey that day. Um, yeah, he was just teasing the boys. You know, they 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 were they were on a stressful march. You know, he just kind of messing with them a little bit. Yeah, messing with their heads. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, they actually believed that that was the case. And yeah. he tried to. Uh, well, the one person I'm thinking about wrote a a fairly detailed article about it, mm-hmm. and tried to say that Zelf did not live at the same time as the Nephites. Uh, which is totally false, and um, so that's one reason. Anyhow, uh, and with the encouragement of Rod and, and some of these people in these busloads, so I got the book finished. You can also get it on Rod's his website. Just go yeah. to the bookstore, and yeah. uh, you'll find that. Yeah. And we don't have very many of those. I hope you have more of them available because we, yeah, we, we keep make... selling out of those. So, <laughs> we got a new version coming up. Okay, good. We're going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go for just a second um, to this to this other image here. So this is a picture of the uh, of the Mississippi River. Um, so a couple of days later, about two days after the vision that happened with Zelf, um, they found, he found himself on the on the banks of the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And he sat down, and he was, and apparently was missing his his sweetheart Emma. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote, he sat down and wrote about a six page, kind of actually a love letter. Mm-hmm. Now, now this was this was kind of uncommon. You got to understand that this is rather uncommon for Joseph Smith to write directly himself in his own handwriting, because usually he had scribes that wrote things. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, he wrote um, this letter. And this is what it says. I'm going to show you show you a picture of uh, what they call the letter book, which is actually a copy of the original letter, mm. um, but was handwritten copy into his letter book. But this is what what he said. He says, "The whole of our journey, in the midst of so large a company of social, honest, and sincere men," he says, "we're wandering over the plains of the Nephites, recounting occasionally the history of the Book of Mormon, roving over the mounds." This is really interesting. Joseph Smith writing this now. Mm-hmm. He says, we're wandering over the, the plains of the Nephites and roving over the mounds of that once beloved people of the Lord. Who's he talking about? 
The once beloved people. The Nephites, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, picking up their skulls and their bones, which they just did literally two days before with Zelf, as what? As proof of its divine authenticity. Mm-hmm. Now, that has a, a, an awful lot of implications here. <laughs> okay, First off, either Joseph Smith knew what he was talking about, or he didn't. Now, there, like I said, like you were just saying, there was, this, there was a couple of articles trying to discredit this account and basically said, well, you know, Joseph Smith said on one, one, one account, somebody said they dug down six inches. The other guy said it was a foot. Well, well, which isn't, you know. <laughs> um, some people said they dug other things up. And then uh, they talked about that his, his leg had been broken and it hadn't mended correctly. So it actually had kind of a, I guess, a, kind of a lump on it or whatever. Yeah, Zelf's thigh bone was... Had been broken and and it had and it mended itself, but it wasn't mended straight. Yeah, how many teeth did he have? One tooth. <laughs> As a dentist, <laughs> as a dentist, that's a it shows he lived quite a while. Yeah, Zell fought a lot of battles uh, yeah. with the Lamanites, and uh, to have his thigh bone broke and then lose all his teeth but one, he he was um, he he's persevered and yeah. he was a converted Lamanite, so he believed in Christ. He kept the faith and persevered yeah. until, until the Lord yep. suffered him to be taken. Yep, exactly. Mm. Now, so so some people have said, well, you know, there, there's some discrepancies. In fact, uh, so there was another ch- a church historian um, that actually brought this up, and I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. But this is the the, the letter book, uh, handwritten. We don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly who it was that wrote the the, uh, the letter book, but they actually took Joseph Smith's original letters that they had in the hand and they and they recopied them into the oh. letter book. Mm. And so this is on the banks of the Mississippi, June 4th, 1834. My dear companion, so this is written again to, to uh, Emma. Now this is a little bit further, this is the whole page here. And at the very bottom of it down here, where you can see, this is where it says, the whole of your journey in the midst of so large a company of social, honest, and sincere men, wandering over the plains of the Nephites, recounting, and then it goes up to the top of the next page, Occasionally, the history of the Book of Mormon, roving over the mounds of that once beloved people of the Lord, picking up their skulls and their bones as proof of its divine authenticity, and notice who signed it at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph Smith, Jr. Okay. So that's pretty pretty clear. Uh, the interesting thing about this, to me, is that uh, this matches exactly in the time frames of the Book of Mormon and in the right place. If you take a look, at this is from Mound Builders of Ancient America by Robert Silverberg. You see the, uh, the the vertical striped area here is the Hopewell Mound Builder people who were in this area from about 100 B.C. to 400 A.D., according to him. Mm-hmm. That's an exact match with the Book of Mormon time frames of the Zarahemla and Bountiful areas, which is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Suddenly at 400 A.D., they, they just, the whole disappeared, the whole you know civilization just kind of goes away. Mm-hmm. And that was where, right where Zelf's Mound is at. This is where the final battles actually took place, according to the Lord and Joseph Smith. Yeah. Uh, so this is basically that 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 map put over the Zion's Camp Trail map, and you can see basically that Joseph Smith and the brethren were literally right in the middle of it. True. True. Which is just phenomenal. Um, and right in the, in the same area um, where the where, where where Joseph Smith said that these that these things happened. I think that the letter to Emma is just a it's, a, it's it's such a powerful thing. Basically, he identifies who these people are. They're Nephites. He identifies one of their one of their uh, uh, structures that that separates them from any other structures or any other people. He said that they they built mounds, mm-hmm. and and he just twice or three times now he's had experiences on mounds, mm-hmm. you know, on Zion's Camp March, 
And he said that these were the, uh, the, the, the mounds were, and this is proof that the Book of Mormon is authentic. True. The evidences. Wow. Yeah. Uh, these are evidences of the Book of Mormon. Yep. Um, and, then, and that little pendant showed a, a picture of, of uh, Jesus Christ and people kneeling to him. Uh, yeah. I, I used to wonder when we were digging into, the, uh, when we were getting into these mounds and everything, I wondered why they didn't find any, any um, Hebrew language or anything that indicated their faith. And I had that pendant sitting in front of me for eight years before I realized that's Jesus Christ. It could be Jesus Christ there, yeah. yeah. Now, another thing that I want to point out, and that is in the, since we're using the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon as our, as our reference material and reference guide here, um, on page 320... Um, you will see in the Annotated Book of Mormon a, an account of this. Basically, this, has, this shows the letter um, from the letter book and the information about that, and then some information about the, uh, the, the whole Zion's camp thing. On page, um, so let's see, that's on page 320. Yeah, thanks for bringing up the picture of Jesus and people kneeling to him. I had I had that uh, I looked at that picture for ten years and didn't really, didn't see that because I was looking at the the, the, the two headed duck yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> with the with the heads up of the duck mm-hmm. yeah even even makes more sense now uh, than the two headed duck perfect yeah okay here we are okay so so that so this is on page three hundred twenty in the annotated edition of the Book of Mormon. And it has the, uh, the the account there from the uh, history of the church and so forth, and also from the letter book, letter book two images. Okay, that's from the Community of Christ archives. Then we have uh, on, on the next page. That's where it talks about the whole of our journey. And then on the next page, basically, we have Zelf and the Book of Mormon. This is telling the story of Zelf. And by the way, I want to uh, to thank uh, our, our our dear friend Ken Corbett, who is a, one of the most amazing uh, artists in the church. And uh, he did that painting. As you as you as you as you uh, scroll down um, from there, you have Joseph Smith looking up as he's getting the revision. And then this is what how he envisioned Zelf. The white Lamanite warrior. Uh, artist conception. It's an artist conception. He has the uh, the, the Yod Heva mystic symbol on his mm-hmm. chest there on mm-hmm. his on his breastplate. Yeah, and Onondagas in the background. Yeah, the prophet, prophet Onondagas. Yep, in the background. Exactly. And then on the next page, uh, you'll you'll be able to see um, on page three twenty two in the annotated edition. You have Zion's camp in the plains of the Nephites. Talking about the plains of the Nephites. By the way, some people have asked, what, what are the two yellow circles there? Those yellow circles are basically people. So you can get an idea of the people who are standing down in front of the mound and the, and the larger circle. And the smaller circle are the people up on the mound. So you can see how big this mound is. Which was built one gra- one basket full of dirt at a time. At a time, yeah. Yep. And, all, and these are some of the artifacts and so forth that uh, that Eldon's been talking about, and and the the map with the uh, the Zelf, Zelf's mound in the middle of the Hopo Mound Builder civilization, and talking about Naples Russell Mound Number Eight. Now, now one of the, the one of the things I wanted to, uh, to to talk to you just about and that is when we when we take groups up on the mound, and uh, we're we're talking about things, and and, and you have uh, who was it that made that uh, that thigh bone? Oh, that was Bishop uh, Thomas Atkins from the Jacksonville Ward. Yeah, he made a wooden a, a wooden one and painted white, so it looks like a an actual it looks, bone. It looks like a bone. You <laughs> yeah. but but you can take that and put it and put it up to my leg, and it actually sticks out about two inches beyond my knee. Mm-hmm. If I put the kind of match up the hip joint yeah. there. Yeah. Um, 
but one of the things that we that we bring up, um, and this is what I wanted to kind of finish up her, our our conversation here with. Um, you know, in this, we're talking about an example of uh, someone who given given his life for a cause, for the cause of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, there's there's a lady who's a dear friend of mine and and her husband uh, Pete and Sharon Peterson. Mm-hmm. They're from down in uh, the the uh, St. George area. Mm-hmm. They were on a tour. Mm-hmm. They came up now. Now Sharon has been clinically dead basically a couple different times, and mm-hmm. and has um, the veil is very thin. I'll just put it that way for her. And we were up on the mound, and uh, and There's and, and afterwards, people uh, on the yeah. mound. Um, this is our uh, one of our tour groups. Uh, yeah. Thanks to, uh, to the help of a drone here. <laughs> but yeah, very uh, tall person. That's the, the most people are on the top of the mound. Yeah, and then. Um, there's two tops to this mound. There's a, it's kind of a saddle in between the two. A saddle between, yeah. and they're going from one top to the other. They're going from the uh, the west to the east uh, mound top. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then like a saddle between them. Mm-hmm. They dug into this mound, but they didn't ruin it. They they re, they reconstructed it afterwards, and they only dug to, they only dug one percent of this mound to find these artifacts. Yeah, and they think that there's maybe as many as uh, how 150. many? Fifty. One hundred fifty. One hundred fifty people yeah, the, buried in Ken, it. Ken, Ken, um, um, uh, not good. <laughs> anyway, Ken, <laughs> Ken um, he, he's the guy who oversaw the dig. He's an archaeologist. He said he estimated one hundred and fifty burials, um, approximately. In Farnsworth, the, uh, Ken Farnsworth. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I was talking about Sharon. And uh, and as everybody was leaving, I noticed that she was kind of um, lagging behind the group. Mm-hmm. And I came up to her and I noticed that she had some tears in her eyes. And I said, Karen, what are you feeling here? And she said, um, utter despair. And I said, um, I can understand that. Because uh, this was, uh, now you have to understand that uh, in, in the Book of Mormon it says that the war began among them at Zarahemla. They had to they had to take the capital city of Zarahemla so they could basically do it. So this was the, the, so they were being driven back from Zarahemla off to the east, and this is where Self's Mound is located. North and east, yeah. It's north and east of there. Um, these people, these men, mm-hmm. at this point in time, they they knew. I mean, you know, basically the prophet um, uh, Mormon and, and Moroni, basically they knew that the people had become so wicked that they this time they were not going to prevail. Mm-mm. And uh, but yet, they fought on, mm-hmm. even though they knew this was basically going to be hopeless. And mm-hmm. she and that's what she said. She said the feeling was is that the people who died here mm-hmm. died fighting for their wives and their children and their families, but they knew it was a hopeless cause. They were not going to be able to change their their the outcome because they had left Apostasy. God. Yeah, yeah. The Nephites had become hardened. When when um, <clears throat> when Mormon tried to preach uh, in earnest, they would get angry with him, and when he'd soften his preaching, they would harden their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, we we are not very smart sometimes. Yeah. But there, but there was a couple other things I think that you wanted to share with us that has to do with America and, and how this all fits now. If I can take just one one sure. more second here, usually when we're up on the mound, I I I, I like to make this, this understanding that this, this is a special place because of the fact that we have church history and Book of Mormon history that actually intersect each other, right? right. How many places on the planet are there where church history and Book of Mormon history intersect? Well, two I can think of. Yeah, well, one of them would be 
South Mound. South Mound, yeah. Hill, Hill Cumorah. The Hill Cumorah, because and we know that, that there was there because the plates were physically there, mm-hmm. and Joseph Smith was physically there to receive right. the plates. So we know right. that that's an intersection. And that's Any others? In Utah, you, uh, I think there's some. Talk, talk about her the. And I dedicated some. Uh, Temple grounds here. Yeah, the, the, basically the Manti Temple. It was mentioned about that. Mm-hmm. There's some question as to the authenticity of the of the of the historical account on that. But mm-hmm. but if that was if that was where uh, Moroni came out and, mm-hmm. uh, and and dedicated something, then the Manti Temple. But also the Saint George, George Temple. Okay. Um, and that one has has to do with the fact that uh, when Brigham Young went down there, mm-hmm. they spent several days. They took him all over the place. They showed him places, and then and then uh, early one morning he got up uh, before everybody else did. Mm-hmm. Took the wagon or took the buggy out, and then basically came back and said, "I know where the temple is going to be." They said, "Oh, really? Where, where, one of the places that we took you yesterday? No, it's a different place." <laughs> so they brought him out there, and then they said, "Okay, this, 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 you know, this, this will be fine," and so forth. And then uh, they came, they had the, the temple dedication, and where they did the break, groundbreaking and so forth. They take the shovels in and whatever they do that kind of thing for the for the for the cornerstone, right? Okay. And. Uh, after this, and they left, and then a couple, like a day or two later, some of the brethren came back to, to Brigham Young and said, Brigham, we got a problem. He says, what's that? He says, if, if the cornerstone is right where you put your shovel um, and dug that out, then if you lay out the temple, there's, there's, the, there's kind of a swampy area over here. We found out that that's a spring. Mm. And so, if, so we're going to need to move the temple over you know, maybe a couple hundred feet to get so that the spring is not under the middle of the temple. And you know what his answer was? No. <laughs> it says, where I placed my shovel in the ground was exactly the place where that temple is supposed to be. And so we will bring in, um, they brought in some of the volcanic material from around there and they pounded it in with an old, with a used cannon barrel. Mm-hmm. And basically that spring to this very day continues to run underneath the St. George Temple. Living water. The living water. That's right. That's the living water. It shows you that Brigham Young was basically saying that that this is the exact place where Moroni was Moroni as he dedicated, dedicated the temple. Yeah, something. So that means that's another place where Book of Mormon history and and, yeah. uh, and church four, history four um, actually intersect. Mm-hmm. There's only four places in the whole world that that that, that actually does that. So mm-hmm. this is a pretty special place. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not many people have been there. Yeah, that's true. And it's not easy to find nope. unless you know where you're going. You almost going. have to have a guide because there's so many trees and everything. And yeah, and it's not really clear. There's no, there's no really markers. There, there is, there was some markers that you guys have put up with the Boy Scouts, but you can't get in there with a bus. <laughs> you can get in there with a car. We put up some markers, and then, and then uh, the archae- the state archaeologists made us take them down. Oh, that okay? That happened. Okay. Because, yeah, we we put a. They're afraid people will come in and. We put a postal on the mound, which they don't. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> they, 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 they got turned over in his uh, office that, or his well, they bed found or whatever that, yeah. when we did that. Yeah. Anyway, so we had to take him out. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to mention the last thing you mentioned here. Yeah. The people from the time of Noah got wicked and they were destroyed. Uh, here's our, this is our five minute Sunday school lesson. Mm-hmm. Destroyed because of wickedness and secret combinations. Yeah. Um, and then along came the Jaredites. They were 15. Uh, they moved into the, this the, area. The lands were divided, and then they went across the ocean and to America. They lived, but the same the same land, you know, because yeah, yeah, because Adam lived in uh, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the Jaredites were destroyed because of why? 
Where would mm, your audacious dream? Let me see. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, secret combination yeah. and wickedness. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Nephites came along for a thousand years. Great prophets and everything, but they finally got kind of wicked and were destroyed in the Hill Cumorah because of, let's see, what was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> secret combinations. And, and wicked. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, so uh, Heber C. Kimball, he did a mission, a mission to Hillcomora area, to, to New York, and he found us, he saw some artifacts around there where uh, these old battles were, mm-hmm. and he said um, he made a prophecy. Now Heber C. Kimball, if you ha- if you know about his prophecies, he made more prophecies than than most prophets, most presidents of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Second to maybe Joseph Smith and and um, well anyway it made a lot of prophecies so <laughs> and, 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 and uh, many of them came true you know like like uh, people the uh, people being able to buy cloth and and metal cheap in uh, 1850 in Salt Lake City uh, because uh, uh, at the same price you could buy them in in St Louis well no one believed that. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it happened because the mm-hmm. gold rushers came through. Heber C. Kimball made a prophecy about the about Hill Cumorah, and he said that the wicked of this generation will be destroyed at the same place, in the, in the same area, Hill Cumorah area. So, but the good thing is that the righteous of this generation— Maybe the riots from New York City will actually uh, end up uh, spreading out to the West. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Antifa and uh, yeah. whatever. Possibly. And some white supremacists. Yes, exactly. Who knows? But, but uh, Yeah. <laughs> But the righteous of this generation will, um, while the other wicked are being destroyed, will be in over um, building the New Jerusalem. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, that this has uh, been fascinating. Uh, a couple of things here, just uh, some other additional information. So this is uh, uh, a publisher, Boyd Tuttle, did this, uh, this really nice uh, booklet here. It's called A Detailed Explanation of Zelf's Mound and the Newark Holy Stones, which is here. Um, you can get also uh, Dr. Burrow's books here. Um, on Zelf, Zelf Mound, uh, also at the, at the website, this is Book of Mormon Evidence.org. I just love this. Val Chadwick Bagley, he is the number one uh, artist, when I say cartoonist, I should say, in the, in the church. And he did a series of books. Uh, these are coloring books for kids. And I wanted to, to, to point out uh, these, these are some of the, uh, his, his uh, handiworks here. This is, uh, I've, I've had these, these are actually laminated here, but these are, this is Mormon Moroni. Father and Son, Military Leaders, Defenders of Liberty, uh, Record Keepers, and Prophets of God. Then he did one for Nephi. There's Nephi with the gold plates. Then he has here, he has uh, Captain Moroni. It has him kneeling there in the snow and so forth there with the, with the title of Liberty because he had his coat, his, his cloak or whatever there. His freedom, he says, uh, in memory of our God and our religion, and freedom and our peace and our wives and our children. And it was just the title of liberty. Mm-hmm. And then he also did one on guess who? Zelf. <laughs> Zelf. He was a chieftain, a Nephite defender. He was a man of God, led by Onondagus. He was a white Lamanite, and this is in the Book of Mormon Heartland. So uh, that, then finally we have our prophet, uh, Joseph Smith. Mm-hmm. He was uh, you know, praised to the man, prophet of restoration. Martyr for the truth, and uh, and he also was in the heartland of America. This is where it was all restored. So uh, this goes along with a set. There's actually a set of uh, of four coloring books with the same Mormon Moroni, Nephi, Zelf, and uh, 
and Joseph Smith. Okay, and inside of here. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so this is that. This is Ryan. Uh, Ryan is a bit of a, uh, a selfaholic, <laughs> and so he so he he had he had a whole thing. In fact, I'm going to show you some here in just a second. Um, but this is uh, this is the Zelf book. This book belongs to, and they can here's here's different things that they can color. So kids can color these uh, things. There's the, there's the you know the, the, there was actually we didn't mention that, but there was three altars. Mm-hmm. There, that Joseph Smith originally found. He said there's three altars that were in the ancient order. He said, Built, yep. so uh, ways you can here's some different uh, things in the in the coloring book. So these are these are just fun for the kids. Has uh, all kinds of different activities that they can do um, to learn more about Zelf or Nephi, Mormon Moroni or Joseph Smith. So there's that. They, they, these have uh, they come with these posters here. Basically, this is wrapped around it. So there's all the posters that go along with that. Um, also, I just wanted to point out. So, uh, my so Ryan <coughs> Nelson, uh, he is he is phenomenal, <laughs> and and uh, he has been involved with. In fact, I, I want to share a couple of other pictures here while we're going along here. So, he actually commissioned Val Chadwick Bagley to make an entire activity center for one of our uh, Book of Mormon expos. So, this is the Firm Foundation Expo hmm. and the Book of Mormon cool. Evidence Conference. So uh, this is this is the the uh, where you first come in. They call it call it the Zelf Zone. At the, there's a Zelf excavation, so they had that little skeleton, and you could kind of dig through the sand, and the kids could do that and find yeah. stuff. Yeah. We had we had a bunch of uh, little arrowheads that we put in there, and they could <laughs> they could pull out an arrowhead. Yeah. Um, just a, kind of a fun thing. This is the the Hole in One Camorra. Okay. <laughs> so you can see the statue, the Hill, the Hill Camorra statue there, and you have uh, you can right. get the hole in one there. Mm-hmm. So the kids love that stuff. We had the uh, ring the bison. So you th- oh. throw the rings, clear to un- un- try to get it onto the bison horns there. And of course, you got Nephi up there uh, riding the riding the buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> and this is pin the tail on the curalam. <laughs> 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 which was awesome. Uh, cum- and again, cumums and curilums. Curilums and cumulons or whatever they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, the kids just had a, had, a, had a ball. This is uh, Keen Laban there in the background. Um, th- you have to throw the beanbag through his mouth. <laughs> and, stuff. and of course, you got Zelf standing there. King Laban? Yeah. No? no? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We had uh, different people who came in. This the Stoddards actually were kind of helping to uh, run that, to keep everybody uh, going there and having some fun. Uh, this is, again, this is uh, Ryan Nelson. He said, speak softly and carry a big sword. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 carrying, I'm a self-made man here. And then we have uh, Val Chadwick Bagley there. He says, I took a selfie. <laughs> And he said, "Be true to yourself." There, we had, had had a bunch of these signs that people could come and take their pictures. And that's that. about the that's about the height of jail Zelf too. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's like about uh, about six, six, eight, six eight, eight, right there. Six, yeah, because I'm six, six, six four, so he's about four inches taller than me. Yeah. So that's a, that gives you an idea about how tall Zelf really was. So that was, he'd have been a big guy. Sure. Yeah. That's that's just a nice uh, the, the, the the picture without the circles there, so you can still see. You had to go early in the spring before the before the leaves come up on all those plants because that, after that you just can't hardly see that's, anything. Best time for a photo. Yeah, exactly. And again, this is just one of the groups here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, your wife Therese is there on the right hand side in the in the uh, kind of orangish color. And Rod is on the blue. In the um, blue. Yeah, there as we as we uh, went up there, and then uh, this is the, another another group there. Um, we've had so many different groups that have come up there, but it's just been a, it's a, it's a marvelous experience. Um, there's, there's, uh, up here, uh, talking about stuff. There's, uh, there's Eldon there and myself. 
And there's actually Chris Kimball with uh, Legacy Tours. Uh, Jonathan Neville was there too. And uh, there's see. Jonathan Neville right in the middle. And then of course this is this is uh, Eldon here. He's got his uh, Make Kimura Great Again hat on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's some of our group as we're up standing up up on the mound there. So. Make Kimura great again, like a yeah. MAGA hat, huh? Yeah, like a MAGA hat. Yeah, there we go. There's the, hey, there we go. Okay. Mike and Nancy. Mike and Nancy. As they were up there, the last one there is just the mother of the folks there. So that's the Obsidian uh, Spear Point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that pretty much uh, wraps it up. So uh, I hope that you've learned um, some more about uh, the Book of Mormon, and specifically as it relates to the Book of Moroni, and in the in the Come Follow Me, it talked about examples of one giving their life for someone, and uh, so I want to uh, to honor our uh, the 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 memory of Zelf mm-hmm. and uh, and Joseph Smith and the and the and the vision that he had up on that mound on that day. And and to, to remind everyone that uh, just like it says in the in the in the Come Follow Me uh, manual, we need to um, think of ourselves and basically what would what would Jesus do? What would Christ do? What does Christ want us to do? These people fought for their families. They fought for their their country, um, even though they knew it was hopeless. Mm-hmm. There may come a day in the near future where where we're going to be having to fight for our country. And it may yeah. become hopeless. It may seem hopeless, <laughs> but uh, but it, even so, it uh, you you will be blessed for the for the for the uh, the, the the good that you do, the fight that you put up mm-hmm. in support of our constitution, which the Lord said that He instituted. But but Brigham Young said he said I never said that this people will be overtaken by a famine, uh, or will don't won't have enough to eat. He said if we do half right. We'll ha- uh, we will not be take- overtaken by a, 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 a famine, the, the saints. And he says, uh, if you do half right, and we can at least we can at least do that. <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining us uh, this week, and uh, we're looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Here we're right winding down towards the end of the year here um, on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, give, give us a like if you are, are liking this information, the additional research and information that you're finding out here. We hope that you've had a good time. We've been having a good time and doing, doing these podcasts. Eldon, I want to thank you so much for being here and coming to uh, to do this and, uh, and and moving all the way out here to Utah just so you could do this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. It's always a pleasure to work with you on these things. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll see you next week. To me, this is not just another nation. It is not just one of the family of nations. This is a nation with a great mission to perform for the benefit of liberty-loving people everywhere. It is my firm conviction that the constitution of this land was established by men whom the God of heaven raised up unto that very purpose. This is part of my religious faith. Looking forward to 2021, you can buy your annotated Book of Mormons for Christmas gifts and save 21% at bookofmormonevidence.org.